Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. Into another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlin and I am joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack, what's um, up? Nothing much. We're recording at 4.04 p.m. Eastern Time Zone for all the ones that listen to us in the Netherlands, just so you know. Um, yeah, it's early. <laughs> it's really early. Um, I actually have energy now, uh, as opposed to when it's <laughs> 9 p.m. and I'm running on fumes. But here we are. Be sure to go ahead and follow us, just to get this all this out of the way. Follow us on Twitter, at JMU Sports News. Um, look at check us out on the interwebs www.jmusportsnews.com and go ahead and give us a like on Facebook. Just type in JMU Sports News in the search bar. Um, All very very important. important. But yeah, it's early. But we were so heated. I shouldn't say we. I was so heated last night. I think it was best to get an early one so I could coherently put my thoughts out onto paper. We'll, we'll yeah very we'll get important. to that later though. We will. We'll start with football where we have thank goodness we saw the football season going so we don't have to transition to basketball talk God, just yet that's gonna be a terrible it's day just, it's the worst <laughs> you have to go fully in and there's no spring sports and they're not playing well and you get just like jamie women's basketball blowouts every couple you know twice a week to make you have some sort of life Oh, stuff. All right, but we have a Weber State rematch. Yes, we do. Of the 2017 quarterfinal. Weber State is looking decent. They're a defensive team, a really good program that's winning a lot. The number three seed quality group got by Montana 17 to 10 at home, although I think both of us think that maybe Montana was a better team in that one. But what are your expectations here? with Weber State coming to town for the Saturday night showdown. Yeah, I definitely think the weather was the winner of that Montana-Weber State game Um, because I think Montana was the better team. Kind of like – it kind of struck me like the uh, JMU-Colgate game last year. Montana's quarterback threw for five interceptions, and that was ultimately the downfall of that game. Um, And with that being said, because I think this is not as good of a team as Montana – I, and Weber State's running back is heavily banged up, like their star running back. Not to right. mention that JMU in the past seven and three-quarter quarters hasn't allowed a rushing yard. Um, 
I think this might get ugly quick. I don't think we're going to see an instant classic again. I think JMU will kind of jump out and trounce on Weber. Yeah, it's it's hard to really get too far behind what Weber State is doing right now. They had 13 first downs in a really close second-round win over Kennesaw State, and then they struggled again offensively against Montana, which is Montana plays decent defense, but only eight first downs. So they had 21 first downs combined in two games. They barely moved the football. They had 113 total yards against Montana. It was an ugly game. Yeah, I mean, they're they're bad. And, of course, you can focus on um, the turnovers and the weather and all that stuff, and, like, they ended up finding a way to win. But when you go out in a game at home in the quarterfinals and you average 1.9 yards per play, I mean, I don't care what the weather is. That's awful, and, right? And it's – yeah, it's just hard to get behind Yeah, that. and their offense, I would argue, didn't win them that game. I mean, I don't think you can no. even argue that their offense won them that game. Their <laughs> right. defense won it, and specifically their special teams won it for them. They blocked a punt late in the game. Montana was punting from, like, their own seven or something like that. And Weber just jumped it, blocked the kick, and recovered it in the end zone. And I think that's how they ended up going up, what, 17-3, 14-3? What was the final of that game? Uh, 17-10. Yeah, so they went up 17-10 at that point. And then they kind of never looked back. And, like, Montana had a couple blocked field goals in there. Weber did nothing to help themselves in the game offensively. And it just came down to Weber's defense forcing five interceptions. And if Montana throws four, I would say Montana wins that game. Yeah, it's, it's pretty fascinating to have a game that close when the turnover battle and you've got a special teams playing still only one. And I think that's what, that's what makes me hesitate for this Weber team. Like you had five turnovers. You needed a blocked punt for a score to win that game. Like you couldn't do it. With five interceptions, you needed, like, a special team's huge play. Like, makes me kind of sit back and – and especially that Kennesaw State game, like you said, too. Weber's not peaking at the right time. They've snuck through two games, and I wouldn't have been surprised if they lost two weeks ago. Yeah, and I think that that, that makes it tough for Weber just the way they're playing right now. The The positive for them, or I guess the way that they might view this, is that they're good at winning some of these ugly games. Like, they've got a – a three-point win over North Dakota, two one-possession wins in the in the playoffs. I know they played a few other close ones. They beat Idaho by six on the road. Northern Iowa, they beat by 12. And then they had two close FBS losses where they both played low-scoring games. So if they're able to make it kind of that ugly – well, I think this is really the only way they can win, <laughs> is if they make it kind of that ugly game sort of like Jamie had against UNI where it's low-scoring defensive battle. If they're able to do that, they're able to make a couple plays on defense or special teams. They can steal this game I just think that that's such a hard way to try to beat JMU I think if you want to beat JMU you kind of have to be built like North Dakota State which has a ton of offensive firepower and a really good defense and a, you know some some solid special teams players as well I think that's sort of the, the the way to beat JMU is you need a complete team where your offense can pick up your defense your defense can pick up your offense I think for Weber State the issue is that they're so focused on what they do defensively in the special teams realm with some of the injuries and, and offensive play that I don't know that I feel like the offense is a liability and that makes it so hard to, to win at Bridgeport. Yeah, it's going to be really hard, but we've kind of talked about it all season in terms of the key to beating JMU is forcing turnovers. And that's something this defense does really well. So, I mean, there still is hope there's, there's still For that sure. possibility, 
But yeah, when your offense is a liability, you're kind of SOL. Yeah, and I mean, look, I mean, Weaver State's, you know, they earned the number three seed for a reason. They've been really yeah, good all season. Yeah, strength of schedule, loaded. man. <laughs> Should have been the <laughs> yeah, two exactly. seed, honestly. Should have been the two seed. I mean, they're a good team. Like, they've done some good things. They've been tested this year and played a lot of really good teams. They have a road win at UC Davis that was impressive, road win at Sacramento State that was impressive. So they've gone on the road, played good teams, and, and won football games. Um, yeah, I mean, they're they're a competitive group, and Jay Hill's a really good coach. He obviously took them into Bridgeforth and – probably should have beaten JMU in 2017 and just wasn't able to quite finish it, but good team, really good program. That's on the rise. I just, to me, it's been JMU and North Dakota state as the clear cut, clear cut, clear, (laughs) the clear cut, clear cut. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Clear cut. Number one and number two teams for a while now. And I don't see anything changing there. I know the bison looked a little bit iffy, in their last game, but I don't really see them having much of an issue with, what is it, Montana State in this next one. So Here's a couple of things, though, to be contrarian of how you said they went on the road and they had a couple of good wins. On the road, they also got demolished by Montana, 35-16, near the end of the season. Um, That's the most recent road game. It is, had. and they got blown out. Um, I think it's really, really big, too, that their running back was severe, like – Watching that injury and then what he did coming off the field, to see him back in the game against Montana was kind of, like, amazing. Um, I don't think he'll be 100% for this game on Saturday. And then also to kind of, as two guys who follow JMU, we know how this can affect a program. Jay Hill's being mentioned in the head coaching search, I think, for New Mexico right now. I don't know how serious those reports are, but – that might be something to kind of circle and keep an eye on too going into this game. And he's a guy that's been looked at by a lot of different programs sort of in the West Coast area just because of what he's done at Weaver. He's somebody that I would expect at some point. I'd be kind of surprised if Jay Hill didn't make a leap to the FBS. A uh, really good coach has shown the ability to to build a program up. So I would not be stunned if he eventually, especially given his age, he's right in like the 45 years yeah. old kind of kind of range. Yeah, he's he's someone that – New Mexico, it looks like, is really trying to get. So that that hurts. You've got the coaching rumors. And then the thing that stands out is they just haven't been able to run the ball against Kennesaw State or Montana. And if you can't run the ball at all at home against those teams, I'm not sure how you're going to run the ball against JMU. And if you can't run the ball against JMU, you're probably going to get absolutely Well, and here's the thing. I don't think anyone can run the ball on JMU right now. We saw the nation's number one running back in Pete. I don't know his last name. Freaking Barstool. Like Guerrero. Yeah, Barstool Monmouth really just ruined that for me now. I like think is Pete. But, I mean, he couldn't run the ball, and he's one of arguably the best. And then this last week, you and I, a, a solid running team, couldn't run the ball either. So even if Weber State was firing on all cylinders in terms of their run game, I wouldn't expect them to come in and, and post a 100-yard game. And Weber isn't firing on all cylinders, so I think they're severe. I think they're going to become one-dimensional the second the game starts, and then Jamie's secondary might be tested a little bit, but I think they'll clamp down. Doc and Carter will kind of pin their ears back, know know that passes are coming, and and I think this game, it we're, we might not see a rush yard again. <laughs> yeah, and if you can't run the ball, you need to have a quarterback who's just lighting people up. And uh, Jake Constantine is the quarterback for Weaver State, and he's, at this point of the year, been a lot more of a game manager. 
Um, and I think sometimes people use that to describe Ben DiNucci. I would say that that's a very drastic difference in these two <laughs> game managers. Um, you know, Weaver State is kind of all over the place in terms of what they're able to do offensively. They're not all that dynamic, especially in the passing attack. They really do just manage the game and try to make sure they don't turn the ball over too much, which he hasn't even really done that great a job of. He has 13 passing touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Jeez. Doesn't doesn't really <laughs> run the ball at all. So, I mean, he's he's not a necessarily a dynamic guy he's a he's a pretty solid quarterback and he does exactly what they need him to do with the defense they have but I think in this game with the running game struggling you would need a quarterback who could absolutely throw the ball around the yard and he's not oh no he averages 185 yards passing per game he's not even hitting 200 a game which kind of just shows you "Mm," takes a step back and question it and yeah if he can't kind of pick apart a defense and and read what's happening like at the line of scrimmage. Um, I don't know. I think, I think this game could, I've said it, I said it a couple times now, it could get ugly. I think so too. It's just, they haven't done much offensively, you know, recently and they've struggled against the better defenses. And you look at what JMU done, you talk, you've talked about, you know, Weaver state not peaking at the right time. JMU is blowing the doors off people. And the 17-0 win over UNI wasn't the same scoreboard dominance that they've had in the last few weeks, but just what they did defensively. Like, UNI had seven first downs. They rushed for zero yards. I mean, just absolutely insane. And a lot of, yeah. You know, they barely got anything. 114 total yards. Like, that's so and A bad. lot of those yards and first downs came on their final drive of the game when JMU was kind of mm-hmm. pushed back and not, like, attacking. And I'm glad you brought up this UNI game and that there was a 17-0 game. Wasn't what we were expecting. But do you buy what Signetti was trying to sell in postgame and at O'Neill's press conference when he was saying, we just kind of knew the defense was going to shut down, shut them down. If they had the ball for the entire second half, we knew they weren't going to score. So we just started playing the long game and started running the, the, the clock out in the second half. Do you buy that, or do you think Jamie's offense was kind of struggling? I mean, I didn't think the offense was great, but I, I do buy it. You, you look at the stats, and we've talked so many times about, like, the running back by committee and stuff. Percy got 33 carries, and Jawan had 21. <laughs> like, they ran the ball 60 times and threw it 28 times. This is exactly what Signetti loves. I'm sure he looked at the weather forecast, saw rain and cold, and just like smiled to himself in some sort of like his lazy boy chair he talked about where he sends his tweets out of. I bet he was in that looking at the weather forecast, smiling all week. I mean, I think he was he was pumped to have this kind of game where they could just play defense, run the ball. They possessed the ball for 42 minutes. Like, that's ridiculous. I think Mike Houston might have been the one who said it when he ran a triple option um, at the Citadel and some of those other schools. The philosophy of some of those triple options option teams is you either score 40 points or you possess the ball for 40 minutes and that's how you win that's sort of what it felt like this weekend where jmu possessed the ball for 40 minutes there was really no chance for you and i to do anything and while i mean they still should have scored a lot more they had a couple of missed field goals one of them was sort of a chip shot uh danucci threw an interception from like the five yard line uh-oh so yeah is he struggling uh, i don't know <laughs> so you, you you look at that those different things, like, yeah, they only scored 17, but realistically they should have scored about 27 if they win the game, you know, like 27 to nothing, then I think people look at it a lot differently. Yeah. So I wouldn't I wouldn't put too much stock into that or too much stock into the, the offensive performance. I thought they did what they needed to do to win, and at this point in the year, that's all that really That's matters. true. Good points. Good points. 
What are your thoughts? Are you any any concern at the fact that they, you know, scored 17 and seven of them were in the last, like, two minutes? No, because, like, it was such a terrible weather game. Like, you throw out some games like that. That's That's not the norm. That's an outlier. I do think the offense struggled, but I think that's because of the the weather itself. I did some I tweeted like can't wait for a seventeen ten game against Weber during the Weber game, um, and some guy was like, "What do you mean J- there was no offense played? Like JMU had three hundred forty six yards of offense and this and that." I just think, in terms of watching a game play and how it organically feels from that perspective jamie you didn't have an offense from a statistic standpoint they had an offense but there was just points that just seemed like they couldn't string things together and danucci took a big hit and maybe was a little more hesitant to bring it down and run mm-hmm. because there was a couple times he probably should have especially for that that interception right. if he just tucks it and runs three yards he's in for the touchdown not touched so that that type right. of stuff kind of makes me hesitate a little bit but at the same time all of those variables factoring in, I think that's a game you kind of throw away and you focus more on that Monmouth crushing because that was more of your quote-unquote typical JMU game. Right, and I think you can you can take some positives away from it too where they didn't necessarily play the way they wanted to offensively. But, I mean, you look like the Towson game, they didn't have their best offensive performance, and then they came back after a bye, dropped 54 <laughs> on New Hampshire's defense. So, I mean, I think that, you know, some for sort of from like the optimist view or whatever, you look at it and you say, all right, maybe they kind of needed a game like this offensively to just humble themselves a bit and be like, all right, we have some things to work on. They can look at this film and grow from it and improve from it against a Weber State team that's probably going to come in with the exact same mindset as Northern Iowa. I don't think they're, I don't expect Jay Hill to have like, we're going to show up as like a quote this week. But I, I think they're going to have a similar yeah. mindset in terms of like, let's try to win this thing up. Yeah. Right. Let's you got to, you got to ugly it. To beat JMU, you're not going to, outscore them you have to ugly it up in any way you can i think ndsu is the only team that can play like a legitimate game against them yeah 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 especially at at bridge fourth and obviously if they play in the championship it'll be in a neutral site which helps north coast state as well um yeah so i mean it's it's interesting i'm excited to see how it goes but i don't think that the the northern iowa performance is alarming if anything it shows that the defense that maybe people had been worried about earlier in the year is now peaking at the right time and if the offense gets back to playing semi like itself like you said i think there's a legitimate chance that this game is a well i guess you didn't say this but a three or four <laughs> touchdown jmu victory i think it really could get kind of out of how hands dare there. you put words into my mouth jeez <laughs> yeah but yeah I, I don't know what your definition <laughs> of ugly was how many scores yeah that was. That, about that I mean, oh man, I had a point. Damn it. Never mind. But yes, I agree. It's going to get uh, ugly. Three to four scores. Ugly. They're playing at home. Let's go back one last time to attendance. What do you expect this week? I mean, talk about beating a dead horse. Why did I even throw this in the outline? Yeah. Give me um, a number. 9,342. I'm going to say 13,000. Really? I think it's – yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. Okay. I just think they're going to get some people there. It's just such a terrible date. I a, do you know the answer? It's so late. That's the issue that sucks. It's like there's got to be so many. I mean this is like basically going into – Christmas. Yeah. Especially – I imagine there are a lot of people that would take off work too because you normally maybe you get off the 24th or the 25th or wherever you work and then take the 23rd because it's a Monday and 
yeah, or even the whole week. So they could already be on, people could already be on sort of like holiday Christmas breaks, spending time with family. So it could be rough, but I have seen, and this is absolutely no reason to expect anyone <laughs> proud. I have seen a lot of, <laughs> a lot of people on Twitter that are going, they've also done a ton of promotions to make the tickets more inexpensive. So I think that just because this one is more relevant, the weather's better. I think a lot of fans have been saving out for this game, expecting JMU to get to a semifinal and they've been waiting for this one, then they'll pay their, you know, eight bucks or whatever to go check it out. So I think 13 to 15 is somewhat reasonable. Um, having the students all gone hurts quite a bit. So you're probably, probably closer. I just, I don't know if you know the answer to this. Why is this season so much later? It was, so they had, I forget the exact, I forget which holiday it is. Is it, it might be the, um, I can't remember which there's whatever it was. It's like where Thanksgiving falls oh, okay. was all, was all effed up. And I think that is why they were able to have 12 games this year or something. And they also were able to get, and I think that also pushed it back okay. or something weird because Thanksgiving was so late. Normally it's like yeah. earlier and when it's earlier then they play the first round that week. So it's like, I'll push back a week. Got it. Because I've been seeing like the, like when we were getting ready for the quarterfinals, we were seeing SDSU finals and I was like, yeah. damn. Okay. But yeah, you can get tickets for $8, courtesy of the JME Sports blog, guys. And as you tweeted earlier today, things that cost $8. Oh, yeah. The, the sip, of, <laughs> sip of Starbucks. What I have. <laughs> a quarter of a beer at an NYC bar. That's very true. NYC is so freaking expensive. Um, a bite of steak at Ruth's Chris. I have a question about Ruth's Chris. Why yeah. is it Ruth's possessive Chris? Makes no sense. I was I was <laughs> looking at it and I was like, "What the hell?" But that's the that's the fancy because Chris Steakhouse, like Chris Steak, isn't anything. Like Chris Steakhouse isn't anything, right? So like, it should be Ruth Chris's Steakhouse. I really just I'm not it sure be, how it came. Yeah, to if be. you're listening to this, someone please respond to us on Twitter and answer this question. Why is it Ruth's possessive Chris Steakhouse? That's all I want to know. Oh, there was Chris Steakhouse. Was Did you Google this? In 19... Yeah, it was founded in 1927. And then I guess some Ruth person bought Chris Steakhouse and then just <laughs> added Ruth Chris so that it had continuity. So Chris Steakhouse is something. So Ruth <laughs> literally owns Chris Steakhouse. Yes, and the owner later admitted to Fortune Magazine. I've always hated the name, but we've always managed to work around it. It is a terrible name. Yeah. All right. Well, there okay, we go. So don't tweet us because we just figured out the answer. And <laughs> Amazing. last thing, I think last thing on football, who knows what comes up. John Daka, Hero Sports released their All-American yeah. list. Do you think it's a snub that he was off of first team and he was on second team? Yeah, people are getting real bent out of shape about <laughs> this. Um, and I was less heated. Even Daka, I think, was kind of kind of ticked by it. And he's got sort of an argument. He has better stats than Rondell Carter. Yeah. Like, He's arguably the best defensive end on the team. And he and Carter got first got the first team nod. I don't know if they're um yeah, I don't really know what goes into their decision outside of stats. I know people give Rondell Carter a lot of credit for being a leader, a vocal leader and stuff like that. So maybe Hero Sports always talked about that. So maybe they gave him a bump just because of like his leadership. <laughs> Which doesn't really huh. make a ton of sense. If that was the reasoning, I don't really know. I just think that John is probably the best pass rusher in you know FCS football. So I thought it was 
a bit of a snub, but I mean, I don't think like being a second team All American is really anything too too upsetting. But I guess if you work as hard as he yeah. has to get there, and then you feel the snub, I understand that. So, do you think he was? Snubbed? I can understand kind of the same answer you just gave. I can understand Daka being upset at the snub, mm-hmm. but as a fan, like. Daka should have been on the first team and Carter should have been on the second team. But also in reality, I really think both of them should have been on the first team. Yeah, there's a case um, for that. But Daka's second in the nation, in the nation in sacks, second in the nation in tackles for loss, and he's second team. It doesn't really make sense. Um, but it also isn't the end of the world. And I also didn't watch whoever made it over him on the first team. He could have been a disruptor like no other and just didn't have the stats for it. Maybe he was triple teamed every play type of thing, maybe an Aaron Donald type of effect. So uh, I'm not going to complain and say it was a snub. I think it was questionable, but I don't know. Like, yeah. yeah <laughs> it, 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 it was hard you. to say because like Doc is a really good player and he probably should have been first team. And like, we keep saying that, but also at the same time, I don't think it's a snub. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the other thing, too, is like 99% of the people that are all up in arms have likely never seen any of the other players on the first team play. So, yeah, I mean, if you're complaining, like, well, how did this guy get it? And it's like, like you're saying, where Daka didn't get too, too many double teams because he has Rondell Carter on the other side, because you've got, you know, Adib and and Mike Green there in the middle to clog up defensive linemen as well. It gives him a lot of chances to do what he does best. Um, Or maybe, you know, I forget who it was who made the the first team spot, but maybe that guy is getting doubled and tripled and still put yeah, up those stats. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to really put too much into it. Hero Sports watches more FCS than <laughs> I do. Um, I'm not sure how they've managed to watch as much as they do or how much they really get to see all these players. Um, just because, like, you know, there are 24 hours in a day. <laughs> and there's, there's the, what, like two of them over there that would make this All-American <laughs> team? And there's, I don't know, what? How many teams are there? <laughs> like, I like how you heard something. Like like taking this all in now as you're like like going by it like on the podcast wait a second (laughs) (laughs) well i mean there's so many teams like i'm not sure how exactly well they don't is the answer you know that you can't watch all the games of all these players so they do their best to put it together um and then you put these together more or less to build your your brand credibility and um to generate clicks so i'm not going to put too much stock into something that you know they do to generate clicks and uh, there's just nothing wrong with that <laughs> but I'm, I'm just saying like all american teams are basically to generate eyes on your stuff and then it gives you some credibility the more you have them so i'm not i don't know it's more of like a thing for hero to build its brand than it is that i would say something to get worked up about yeah in my opinion <laughs> that does a really funny just like meant like how that progressed to where you finished yeah, at first I was like, he was snub, and then I'm like, well, who cares? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Oh, okay. Anything else on yeah. football? I don't think there's anything else this week. We didn't have any fan qu- fan questions, listener questions. What <laughs> <laughs> do our fans have to um, say? So I think that's about, I mean, be prepared. I, yeah, I mean, I don't have that much. Like, I'm excited for the matchup. I'm excited um, for first one. That's what I'm excited for. I think that's one that we'll have, you know, like one or two podcasts that'll be pretty massive. We'll try to bring. Yeah, and if anyone wants to sponsor a trip for us to go down to Frisco, (laughs) buy both of our. If you just buy both of our plane tickets, we can find an Airbnb and food down there. But if you guys want to buy two round trip tickets for Bennett and I to go to Frisco, we will gladly take it. 
Okay, so that leads us to the FCS playoff pick 'em, where you already won. <laughs> I have won. So now I won. See, pick 'em last year. See, pick 'em this year. And FCS pick 'em this year. I don't think we did it last we year. Didn't. We didn't. We did not for the playoffs. So I'm three and zero, and I'm feeling confident. But we'll still we'll still pick away. Yeah, I'm down four games with three left. Tough, tough spot to be in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we only have yeah, two. We do. <laughs> I know, I know. I've crunched the numbers. It upsets me because Montana <laughs> should have beaten Weber. And then you'd only be down with two games, with two to go. No, three to go. Yeah, exactly. And then you could have. I could have come back, but then I you would you would have had to wait for the yeah because the championship game. Um, well, I would have picked North Dakota State. Yeah. <laughs> okay, North Dakota State, Montana State. Who do you got? Uh, North Dakota State at home, playing well. Well, they're not playing, they're not playing well, well. But, hey, they won nine to three. All that matters is winning. I think they'll kind of bounce back. I think Trey Lance, he's a kid. He reminds me a lot of myself. Uh, good leader, <laughs> smart guy, big arm, <laughs> a lot of talent at a young age. You know, so, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's really good. And I think he'll bounce back. He didn't have a great game against Illinois State, but they've also Illinois State had seen them this year. I don't believe Montana State and North Dakota State have played. Right? No, they haven't. They so, haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I said it and then I was like, I don't know, maybe they did. No. So Montana State's good. Like they can score. Um Yeah. But they're not they're not great. You know. They're not great. But what they did against Albany and the Undercuffler was certainly impressive. But on the road, I don't think they're they're gonna be as good. They lost to North Dakota. Without the state on the road this year, and that leads me to believe that uh, they're going to get their butts handed, butts whooped. So let's, <laughs> let's go with uh, North Dakota State in that game. Are you ready for this? Are you ready yeah. for this? Yeah, Montana State. That's a trash. <laughs> <laughs> is yeah, that your pick? my pick. You know why? I'm getting real. Is there any logic? Yeah, I'm getting there? real shape. Not not like real logic. Um, okay. Well, kind of. I'll start with my real logic and then go into my fake logic. North Dakota State. <laughs> scored nine points against Illinois State. I get that they've seen you before, but if you're supposed to be this powerhouse this season, you should score a dang touchdown. You know, like, you scored – you didn't score a point in the second half. It was 9-0 at halftime. And yeah. Illinois State could have won that game because they were only down six. North Dakota State isn't as good as the national media is making them out to be. I will die on this hill. Uh, Montana State, on the other hand – Beat Austin P, a solid program, and they had been kind of steamrolling their way through the uh, playoffs, 42-6 to against Furman, 42-28 against four-seeded Sacramento State. Montana State is playing very good yeah, That's what I'm football. saying. Like, they had an excellent game plan against Albany, and not only did they execute it perfectly defensively, they also had an awesome offensive game plan and put up 47 on Albany and the Great Danes. Um, and that's right after Albany had scored 42 the week before, so you, Cut their points in half. Good shutdown. Montana State held a Austin P team who had scored 84 points in their last two games combined to only 10, wow. and they put up 24. I think Montana State kind of has a little edge to them right now. I think they kind of give me shades of JMU back in 2016 when they went to the Fargo Dome mm-hmm. and upset the the bison the bison the how do you pronounce it? It's a Z. <laughs> it's like a Z. Bison, and they upset the bison. Um, I think Montana State can do it here. Um, I think North Dakota State might be at a little bit of a down in their roller coaster in terms of this dynasty. I don't think the dynasty is over by any means. I think it's just a down year. 
and for them a down year is a trip to the semifinals, and it'll probably come down to a last play. But I think Montana State pulls this out. That's actually pretty good logic. What's your fake logic? It's kind of that J- them giving me shades of JMU um, was my fake logic, oh, okay. just because like okay. that's not real. Kind of like how momentum isn't real. Yeah. How disappointed would you be if Montana State won? Because I would be so oh, I'd be disappointed. so disappointed. <laughs> it makes Frisco exponentially more boring. Like the hype around that game would be completely murdered. Like I think Montana State actually now looking at it a little closer. What they've done the last like five games, where you look at yeah, it, like, they've played Austin really well. Albany, like, Montana, they're playing yeah, really they're playing good football. Really, like we're talking about JMU peaking at the right time. Montana State is really peaking. Like. JMU was good all season, and now they've just kind of kicked it into fifth gear. Montana State was, like, at third gear, and all of a sudden they're in sixth gear type of thing. But, man, I need <laughs> I mean, I cannot handle a Montana State JMU championship. We've gotten this close. We've gotten this close. But here's close. the thing. How great would it be to just hear the cries from North it Dakota? Would It'd be pretty hilarious. But, you know, it would be so much better – to beat them in the it would be it would be playing them in frisco would be an absolute blast but yeah i mean if you i do think jamie could take care of business against montana state maybe a little a little bit easier so i don't know i mean i won't i would still be excited for a national championship game obviously yeah. but man, after the initial like oh that's cool i'd be like oh my god <laughs> we're playing montana state we're not this even playing terrible. the montana we're playing the state. I don't even know what I don't know what what's their mascot. The Wildcats. Get your head in the game. Okay. Yeah, I, I think know I think that that's what their logo looks like. I mean, it looks like it. Or a Panther. That no, would, no, they don't that have a terrible though. mascot. No, I'm looking it up. Oh, <laughs> we're both wrong. Bobcat. Okay. Yeah, that looks more, looks more like a. <laughs> and let's move on to the other side of the bracket. JMU, Weber State. Who do you got? Oh yeah, we got to include scores. I have to remember this time because I forgot when I did the round table. I was I almost the right on the terms of a safety. I just was wrong on which team got it would get it. I was also wrong. It didn't happen, but I, I almost. It was, okay. it was close. Um, let's see. I'll take JMU. Thirty-one. To six, JMU thirty-one to six. Okay, I think Weber State is a great team. I think Jay Hill reminds me a lot of myself. Um, oh, given, um, <laughs> given, given his leadership ability, moving <laughs> yeah. jobs soon. Tough, to... <laughs> even though you've already moved the jobs. Um, Very true. Um, yeah, I'll, I think they're a good team and a good program. I just think that this is kind of where they're. They're train. They're getting off the station. <laughs> they're getting off the train. I don't know where, I, was, I, don't know where I was. I don't. I don't know where I was going with that. So <laughs> I was pretending it didn't happen. Thirty-one six. Okay, I'm gonna go JMU twenty-seven seven. Okay, that's fair. Um, nice. Mainly because, like, I just I see Signetti now on the sidelines, getting up twenty to zero, and just saying. Yeah, call off the dogs. Let's call off the dogs. Let's just hand it to Percy for 40 touches. And then I see a Weber State touchdown, and all of a sudden there's kind of life. It's 20 to 7. Weber State forces a three and out or a punt or something like that, starts to drive, and then a pick <laughs> six. 
Are you looking into like a crystal yeah, ball? Yeah, I am. Right I now? actually had closed my eyes right there and really yeah. just pictured this. Um, and that's that's how I think. I think all of a sudden the, the momentum would have changed and Weber State almost would put together something. And then JMU pick sixes, they get it, score. Weber State punts on their next possession and JMU just kind of runs <laughs> the clock. I think that's how it's going to go. Call me crazy. Uh, but when I'm right, <laughs> please buy us plane tickets to Frisco. All right. That was insanely specific. Yeah. Um, pretty good though. <laughs> you almost had one. I forget the game earlier in the year. You mentioned like turnovers very specifically. It was, I think, the Villanova game. Villanova. Like, they were yeah. Have, yeah. Yeah. That was it just, fun. I do it every week. So when the one time I'm right, you I'm like, like look, I said that. And then it's like, well, look at the 15 <laughs> other weeks where you were blatantly wrong. What was your record prediction at the beginning? Was it 11 and 1? Yeah, I got the record prediction right. I got the game wrong. Game I wrong. said Stony Brook they'd lose to. That turned out to be a pretty good prediction. I'm though. good at full I'm good at long-term season predictions. Hell yeah. Nice. Just because like yeah, but game by game I'm terrible. Well, there you go. <laughs> okay. That wraps up the FCS pick. Em. That wraps up our football talk. Man, this is something that we teased at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> I'm so excited. Should I just start into my rant? I mean, you might as well. I wasn't nearly as heated. So yeah, okay, go. so last night, JMU wins, what, 81-60? Yes. Behind a, a good defensive performance against a bad team. Congrats. You did what you were supposed to do. And then all of a sudden, on Twitter, a player on the team likes one of my tweets that I was saying they weren't going to be good in the game. Like, 15 minutes after the game ends, I'm getting a notification that this player likes my tweet. 15 minutes after you won a game that you should have won, that you shouldn't be excited that you won, you've been a terrible defensive team all season, arguably one of the worst in the nation against arguably the easiest offensive schedule in the league, in the nation. String a couple games together. Put some offensive performances on the map. Put some defensive performances more more specifically on the map. And then you can come back and you can like all of my tweets. You can call me out for being so wrong. But you won one game. That was the lowest you've held a Division I opponent to all season. And it was a bad Charleston Southern team. Like, let's not forget that. This wasn't UVA that they beat. This wasn't even Radford that they beat. Let's not even talk about that because they already lost to them this year. This was a bad Charleston Southern team that you beat, but just play better. Like, string that together. Please prove me wrong. I beg you to prove me wrong. That's my rant. That's my rant. Yeah, I think I'm I'm kind of with you. I saw I actually watched most of the game last night, and they're they're pretty decent. And I was impressed with what they did defensively. I thought they did shot the ball well. Um, some of the players played well, but again, Charleston Southern is bad. Like this is kind of supposed to happen, and they've had these flashes before where they looked really good for most of the ODU game. They looked really good against New Hampshire. I thought they did some nice things against East Carolina. Uh, the opener against Charlotte after a bad start, they looked good. But they're one in four this season after wins. Right, and they've kind of done this throughout the row era where they win a game or they win two games and then they follow it up with just like a couple of stinkers. And I think that's the big thing for me is like like good 
good job. You showed improvements after a 12 day break, which I last week was wrong and said like, oh, they're yeah, and we both did. Like, yeah, you, yeah. So that was I was impressed with that. I thought that was a nice, pleasant surprise. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of questions <laughs> with this team, and you look at the CAA this season. Delaware looks really Delaware is receiving uh, votes. I, I mean, I don't know if they are anymore, but. But they're yeah they're a legit team. Northeastern's not great, but they've got some decent shooters. Roland can really fill it up. I think the College of Charleston's still solid. William Mary is surprisingly good this year after firing their coach and and um, losing a lot of players to transfer. So like there are good teams in this league. I think Towson's been fairly competitive as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, so like you got to when you get into conference play, which they will after after a game here on Friday night in the Bronx. Hmm, maybe I'll go up to Florida. that game. Oh, I work. Hey, check I out work. the Fordham. Dang, got to check out that Fordham game. Where last year they played at Fordham and they lost uh, by 27. So After this is a, a huge chance break. Sort of, yep, this is a chance in that game if they can. Fordham's been pretty awful this year, so it's it's certainly a winnable game. But I mean, they need to start stacking yeah. wins together. We've said that for four years, or we haven't on the podcast because the podcast is only around for two. But like we say this all the time, where it's like they need to stack wins together and start consistently doing stuff and. It's good to see that sign, but until they start consistently winning, it's hard to get even a little yeah, bit excited. Yeah, and I mean, look, we saw that sign when they won by 10 against East Carolina, 99-89. We saw that sign when they beat down New Hampshire, 78-71. We saw that sign when they obliterated Division Three opponent Shenandoah. But, like, after Shenandoah, you lose by 13. After New Hampshire, you lose to Coppin State. After East Carolina, you lose. You get destroyed by Radford. Like, my biggest problem with this, like, liking tweet thing, because they like – so Jamie Sports News tweeted something and was like – it was all the stats saying how bad of a defense they were. And then you kind of (laughs) just half-jokingly put the question, do they improve tonight? And I just responded from my personal account, no, period. And a bunch of guys, a bunch of different people, like, commented the same thing in funny ways. And this player went through and liked all of those. Like, and I, I just think it's weird that like after a game where you allowed 60, but the game before you allowed 94 and like, that's where your focus is, is to go in and like these tweets where this person is like questioning how good you guys are. And the, one of the first thoughts post game is let's search what people are saying about men's basketball and like the tweets as like kind of a, like, I don't know the word for it, but I just think it's questionable. I think focus on Fordham now. I mean, it's it's definitely interesting. I won't say too much just because I don't know how I would handle that if I were a player. And when you're like 19 going on Twitter, I don't like, I don't know that they need to necessarily be locked in like right after a game ends on Fordham. You know what I mean? Cause you've got four or five days and you're just a college student. I mean, you're not getting paid to do it. So if they were like, it would be different if it was like a, if it's an NBA player or something, when, when it's this level, I mean, I get where you're coming from. I get what you're saying. My, my pushback, I guess, is just like, it's, it's yeah, not, it's not the end of the world. The end and of it's the world. Not, yeah. I think it's more of the fact that like, it was one game. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from. I think that it's different too. If maybe you look at like football and basketball, and I think some of the basketball players, uh, might sort of do that quickly where if you look at a football player um i still we still have football players like like and retweet our tweets but i don't know that many of them like if we said something critical after a game they're not going to go in and then 
and then like it within seven seconds of the game ending, that kind of thing. So I think there's maybe a different mentality among the programs. And I think JMU is, is trying to grow and get better. I think that the one thing that stands out to me and and maybe not even with the players is just like Roe, he reads it all, hears it all. And that's something that kind of, (laughs) <laughs> surprises me is they yeah, bring but up the emails he gets press conferences um, from bill great, from bridgewater yeah, and about. sam from stanton and will from Weir's <laughs> cave they all make sh- that they that's what <laughs> brings him into the convo the next day you know not his contract that he signed no it's it's it, yeah it's i don't know it's kind of weird at this point that um i don't know sometimes i feel like they get offended when people are being critical of them but i'm not trying to be critical of anyone personally um, just sort of the program as a whole. And, and I don't think I've really called out players ever or that I will, but um, for the, um, for the coaching. Yeah. I think we've been critical of Roe, which I think is fair. If you're going to make close to $300,000 a year, 165. Yeah. Coming in after a lot of different coaches and, and you lose a lot of games and they're building a new, very expensive arena. I think it's fair to question where the direction of the program is headed. So that's all we've really done. Um, I think they need to back up wins. And I've said that before. I still think they do. I do think, and I'm more optimistic than you now. We kind of switched roles from last year. I do think they have a chance to turn the corner. I, I like this roster more than I've liked any row roster. I think they're deeper than they are. Quinn Ritchie was really good last night. I think he should play more. I don't know why they don't give him any minutes. Um, yeah, Julian Wooden's been good. Deshaun Parker played a lot better last night. Zach Jacobs is playing reasonably well. Uh, Michael Christmas, I love as a freshman. So, like, Dwight Wilson was incredible. He's shooting 70% from the field, which is amazing. Um, so, he's been super efficient. He's averaging a double-double. So, like, I think that they've got so much potential, and that didn't even mention Banks or Lewis. So, they've got depth for the first time, like, ever. And they've got some really quality players on the team. So, I think that, that they're getting better. What I will say is I think they need to distribute the shots yeah. more evenly among some of their players, which they did a better job of last night. And I think when they do that and they get Wilson touches, Banks touches, maybe Deshaun Parker touches, uh, even Christmas, and they let Matt Lewis facilitate a little bit, maybe not maybe not focus so much on scoring and shooting. Um, I think that that allows them to be a bit better. So I think that that's something looking forward is can they play good defense? Can they actually spread the ball around and not rely on Matt Lewis to shoot 25 times a game? And if they do that, I think they have a chance to be good um, or not. Well, good in terms of CAA teams. I think they'll have a chance yeah. to contend at the top of the league, but, but yeah, I mean, they've, they have a lot of question marks. They still have a lot of question marks. And to your point, you know, one defensive effort does not really <laughs> answer the question is the team. Yeah. One defensive them? effort does not mean that this team's turned a corner. Um, I'd argue I need to see four games of, a good defensive effort for me to kind of put the stamp on. Okay. They've, they've improved because we've seen this over and over Mm -hmm. again in terms of like one amazing offensive output game, one defensive, just great game. And Charleston Southern like, isn't a good team by any stretch of the imagination. And this is what they should have done to them. Like I, in my mind, I don't think we should be holding them up for, wow, you held a Charleston Southern team. That's pretty darn bad to 60 points. Congrats. Like, I think what what is more more exciting and what and what gets people more excited about it is just the fact that Deshaun Parker can like he starts to kind of return to last year's form. He was really out of sorts to start this beginning of the season in terms of shooting percentage and things of that sort. Um, but now, if he can continue what he did against Charleston Southern and get back to what he did last season, I think this team has a great shot to continue to grow. And I mean, his turnover to assist ratio is 
amazing. He just doesn't turn the ball over. So if he can continue doing that, that's a great sign. If Lewis starts kind of facilitating more and not jacking up a shot when there's 20 seconds left on the shot clock, I think this team has a lot of great potential. And with Christmas and Wilson now both playing really well and and really solid minutes, I think this team, for them to be successful – has to work from the inside out, not the inside, not the outside in. I like that too. And Matt Lewis has been pretty decent this year. He's got like a two to one assist to turnover ratio, which is even better than Parker's. So if you let those two guys just facilitate, you focus a lot on, you know, Banks, Wilson, Christmas, I think you're going to be a really good basketball team. It's just the matter of them actually doing that consistently. Yeah. They really haven't done. Um, I think there's some potential there. I think there's some potential yeah, there. We said I, that a lot. I'm, ex- I'm excited for the season to develop. And I'm excited for them to have a few games here before the football craze dies down. And then we really turn our attention to basketball. I I don't know, man. Maybe it's just me really wanting this basketball team to be good because college hoops are a blast. And they're going to play the conference tournament in D.C., which I think would be a great venue for them to contend for um, an NCAA tournament berth. But I don't know. I like to think that they can turn the corner. It's just like, we got to show it more than once. Yeah. And... That was by far their best game of the season. Yeah. Just, yeah, you got to show it more than once. You have to show it to me. Yeah. You have to show it to me up until I mean, the end of December. I don't think they've ever won five games in a row. They haven't. Under row. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you got to have a streak where you're like, okay, this I don't team think is they've good. won four in a row against Division One opponents. They have. So, yeah. if you can show this to me, you don't even have to get another three wins. You know, like you just have to show me like potential right. and I can change my tune by the end of December. I want to be wrong. I want to be wrong about this team, but everything I've seen the last two years with these guys, like the talents there, what's missing. And I hope in that Charleston Southern game, it all clicked, but I know two years, I don't think clicks in 40 minutes. Right. And it's it's frustrating. It's it's really frustrating because they've hopefully got some potential. And then they've got – I mean, you look, they play at Fordham, and then they have Hofstra Northeastern at home to open CAA play. That's that's a perfect stretch right there where you could pick up three wins, win four in a row, and be like, all right, we're headed in the right direction. We're, you know, whatever it would be, nine and four at that point. But uh, we'll actually see if that, you know, happens. Because right now they're six and four with a win over, what, Shenandoah, which is like – are they D3? Yeah, D3. D2. Whatever, yeah. So, I mean, they're 6-4 and four with one of those wins, and their four losses are all by double digits, including two blowouts to Coppin State and Radford. Just right. So it's, it's kind of hard to get amped about this team when you actually look at the, the body of work. Yeah. So, huh. And know. moving from men's to women's, we haven't uh, seen them in a while. I think just a quick thing. They played a night against Del- – well, when you're listening, they played last night. We hope they played really well. Um, they should. They, they should should crush, should crush Delaware yeah. State. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how that goes. We'll get into them more as they yeah, play more. Haven't we just haven't, it. you know. Yeah. Haven't, haven't and play, so. leads us to the wrap up. Anything else? Anything else uh, you want to add? No, I think that's that's pretty much it. I'm excited to watch a game in Bridgeport yes. finally. Yes. First time all year. Although my last two games are a loss to Colgate and a loss to Elon. Yeah, I did tell Bennett, just to all of our listeners, if they lose this weekend while he's in attendance, he is not allowed to go to any JMU game for the rest of his life. (laughs) 
<laughs> might be cursed. We'll see. They have won a national. <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry, I'm getting emotional. Have won a national championship. No, but see the difference. So, the so. difference, Maddie. The look, difference look, is you it. were covering those <clears throat> games as a fan. It's back-to-back losses. That's that's all I'm saying. That's tough to tough to hear. But I'm looking forward to that game. I'm looking forward to potential Frisco trip and the content we'll be able to create. Yes, it's going to be a lot of fun. Follow along with our daily tweets, our daily things that we do every day. It's daily at Jamie Sports News on Twitter, on Facebook. Type in Jamie Sports News in the search bar and you can find us. And all of our articles and podcasts and anything under the sun, advertising opportunities, where you can email us to buy us our tickets to Frisco. Yes, you need to get in Go on to www.jmusportsnews.com. For Bennett Conlon, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. You guys have a wonderful rest of your Wednesday. See ya. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube